0: What I didn't realize is that the peak of my, like, financial existence was gonna be getting guac on my Chipotle burrito bowl. What is up everyone? Thank you for joining me back here on Growing Up Gavin. Hope you're having a beautiful morning, afternoon, or evening wherever you are in the world. If you know me or you follow me on TikTok or Instagram, you can kind of easily tell that I am trying to go viral. I'm trying to be funny and cute and whatever it takes to kind of share my interests because I want to make people laugh. I want to share my opinions with the world and that's kind of what I'm doing. So I recently made a TikTok where I was talking about About money, specifically, I was talking about how much money I made in my first year working as a nurse in New York, and I broke down sort of my hourly schedule and what I made. I was kind of thinking no one is going to see this. It was just like a practice run and video editing and getting comfortable talking on camera and having my opinions in my life being out for the world to look at, and it took me like three hours to make this video, and so I was like, this is taking entirely too much time, this is not going to be seen by more than like 300 people, because my most viewed video at that point had like 400 views. I was like, I just need to finish this. So I finished it, I posted it, and I went about my day thinking you know, not much of it. Kind of forgot about it. And then that night before bed, I opened TikTok and I saw that I had like 12 new followers and 15 comments and 100 new likes. And I was like, "Oh my god, something's happening." So I looked at the TikTok and it had like 4,000 views. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, people are watching it. Maybe at the end of the week it'll have 6,000 views." And this is a little taste of what it feels like to have a successful video. And so I went to sleep, and when I woke up in the morning, it had 80,000. And I was like, oh my God, like. <laughs> I started freaking out a little bit. Like people are paying attention to this video. What have I done? Did I say anything I shouldn't have? Like, what did I actually say in this video and why are people paying attention? I think what it was, was the content of the video. In this video, I was talking about money, which is something I actually spend a lot of time thinking about. I like watching YouTube videos on where to spend money, how to save money, the best places to put your money, how much money should you save? How much should you have? How much money do I have compared to other people? what does my money mean about me? What does other people's money mean about them? And today I am going to talk about money again, my personal relationship with money, because I have spent my adult life unpacking this relationship. It's something that I bring up a lot in conversation and it has impacted relationships that I've shared with people over the years from growing up the way that I did to having the money that I do now as a young professional. I think money has touched every part of my life and to be honest, I think it touches everyone's life. I don't know if there's a group of people for whom money is not something that they're particularly interested in, because in one way or another, we have to pay for things. We have to make money and we have to spend it somehow. Whether you like it or not, we all have some relationship to our money. I really feel like it has played this outsized role in my life and something I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Because when I think of myself, especially for the last few years, I've thought of myself in terms of my relationship with Money. And for this podcast, this relationship comes down to five chapters. Chapter one was my awareness of money's existence. So I will ask you, when did you become aware of the existence of money? For me, it was around four or five years old. I was living in Nebraska, and I used to ask my dad if I could have three quarters to walk down the street to the local convenience store and get a Hershey's chocolate bar because Hershey's chocolate bars were three quarters in Nebraska in 2004. Money at that point was just my access to chocolate bars. I wasn't thinking anything about money, like where did the money come from? Who invented money? Why does the person behind the counter have such an interest in these three shiny coins when clearly chocolate is far more interesting? I don't think anyone at that age is thinking about money. You're usually just living your life and having fun, hanging out with your friends. Some friends might have a lot, others not so much. But you're not thinking deeply about what it means about them and about you and where money actually comes from. At this point in life, money is dealt in low volumes. I remember (laughs) my grandpa once gave me a $20 bill, for some reason I've long forgotten, but I hugged him so tightly and I said, I'm never gonna let you go because I thought it was such a substantial amount of money, probably more than I'd ever seen in my life, and would easily buy me something like 25 Hershey's bars. That was pretty quick math. That was pretty impressive. My understanding of money at this point in my life would be superficial. I would not learn the real purpose or the real cost of money or not having money with my dad and Hershey's chocolate bars. I would learn that with my mother, which was chapter two. My mother had a hard time managing money. I feel like there are two types of parents in the world, those with money and those without it, (laughs) or those who can manage money and those who cannot. And ever since I was little, I knew that my mom was one of the people who could not. I didn't know that she couldn't manage money. I just knew that Christmas was maybe a little sparse at mom's house, Or at mom's, we would eat more fast food than we did at dad's. And we would do less fun stuff like go on trips or do activities, after school activities or whatever it was. I didn't know that this was actually a story about money. And I wasn't thinking that maybe her job as a nursing assistant and the responsibility to raise three kids and get them to and from school was not really doable. Mom was always on the run, and every year we would move from one house to the next within our town. I didn't know at the time, but getting evicted from each house, and then moving to a little bit worse of a house, a little bit cheaper, a little more on the outskirts of town, and a little bit worse of a neighborhood and our houses would have less and less, going from having dining tables and couches to sleeping just on mattresses and eating on TV trays. I knew that times were a little bit rough with mom. I knew that maybe not everyone else was going through something like what we were going through because there was a lot of lying to people. We would lie about where we lived, about what we were eating, about why we were moving, anything to avoid mentioning the truth. And it kind of taught me to have shame or to feel ashamed of what we were going through. An example, I once stayed a night at my friend's house and this friend lived in a huge house in one of the nicest neighborhoods in our small town in Nebraska with this enormous front yard, enormous backyard. This house had so many rooms in it. It had so many rooms I'd never even fucking heard of. Like, what is a TV room? What's a sitting room? What's a sun room? (laughs) He had an Xbox. He had everything in this house. And we were hanging out and the plan was that I was going to stay the night at his house and the next morning my mom would come and pick me up. But plans changed when we woke up and my friend's family said, oh, we had something come up. We really need to get going. So Gavin, we'll just take you and we'll drop you off at your house on our way. Where do you live? And I panicked. This was not the plan. And we had this unspoken rule of you cannot tell people where you live. You cannot let them find out what our house looks like or where it is or what part of town so don't ever give our address because if they find out that's bad i'll look like a bad parent we'll look like we're poor and that cannot happen so i said to my friend oh well i don't think my mom is home let me call her i call my mom she doesn't answer I call again. She doesn't answer. They're like, well, maybe we should just go to your house and knock on the door. And I was like, no, I really don't think she's home. And I'm panicking. They're getting a little weirded out. They're kind of like, why can't we just take him to his house? We get in the car and I'm still calling. I'm still calling. I'm like delaying everything. I have so much anxiety. I'm like stressed out of my mind wondering, should I just have them drop me off at a random house? Should I stay to the grocery store? Should I go to the library? Should I just tell the truth? And then suddenly my phone rang and it was my mom who's said that we could meet them at a restaurant in town and they could drop me off there and I was so relieved because a secret could live another day another example of this we were often very hungry we were not eating consistent meals Um, we would go to school and those school lunches are only like two dollars fifty cents they're very cheap at least they sound very cheap that can add up and people don't always have the money to afford that so we would go up to the register and punch in our number and my brother and I lived in the negative zone we would always go negative they were going to tell kids like you can't have lunch but they would give you a pink slip and say take this home to your mom and tell her that she needs to pay your lunch bill and you would get that every day that you walked in and you go to school five days a week you get lunch five days a week and so we would give our mom five pink slips (laughs) And the shame with that was very real. There were times I did not want to get lectured. I did not want all my friends to see me walking around with this pink slip. Like the question was there, why doesn't your mom just pay it off? Sometimes at the end of the year, we would still have a negative balance and the school would say we're not going to let you advance or enroll in the next year if you do not pay off the balance. And every time I came home and asked my mom for money to pay off the lunch balance, I felt ashamed. I felt like it was just another straw on the camel's back, like I was just a burden for my mom and here I am asking for $20 so that I can eat lunch this week we were on the run constantly. We would sometimes have people knock on our door and we learned not to answer the door. The people at the door are probably not the kind of people that you want to be talking to for one reason or another. And whenever anyone knocked, we would freeze. And if we could, we would turn off all the lights. We would turn off the TV. We would turn on the volume and we just wouldn't move. And this strategy worked. It was mostly to avoid people who, you know, wanted money from my mom. Sometimes the police were there to ask questions about some incident. There was always some drama going on. But one day, the person at our door was our landlord, and my mom was in the middle of getting ready for work. She was working nights as a nursing assistant at a nursing home, and she said, I can't avoid him because I have to leave in the next 20 minutes or so, and he's just standing there. And so she opens the door and says, can I have a minute? And he says, no, we need to talk now. So her right in the middle of getting ready, she's wearing no pants, she's wearing a sweater, and her face has half of its makeup on. She steps out onto the porch in the freezing Nebraska cold, where it does snow, by the way, and closes the door behind her. And the rest of us sit in deathly silence, just waiting for her to come back in. A few minutes pass and she opens the door and wipes her eyes and goes and gets ready for work and goes to work that night. And I have no idea what was said, but just watching my mom go up to the landlord and probably ask him or justify that she did not have the money to pay the rent that she owed and still putting on her makeup and going into work that night. It was a pivotal moment to see someone you look up to do everything they could and then put on her scrubs and her Crocs and go to work. At this age, I was always on mom's side. I never faulted her for our lack of money or lack of resources. The reality is that my mom worked. She had a job and she worked very hard. But I was not thinking about the fact that she was somebody who did not go to college, who was not fortunate enough to have a job that paid the bills, where her labor was not producing the kind of value that other people's labor was producing. And that's just... Unfair. (laughs) I think back to my mom, she would sort of daydream these promises in her head of how we would eventually have a better life. We would move into a new house, and it would be the biggest house that you've ever seen, and we would turn things around, we would end up moving back to California, everything was gonna be just fine soon. And my brother and I had no choice but to hope along with her. But she wasn't really just hoping, she was also promising. And one year for Christmas, she gave us a little box that we opened, and inside of it was this promise note that said, Next year for Christmas, we're gonna go to Disney World. She said she met with an agent who helped her figure out all the logistics for paying for the trip in that over the next year, we would get to decide which resort we were going to stay at and how we were going to spend our time at Disney World next Christmas. We would get to stay in the Animal Kingdom resort or the music resort. And when you're a child and you're told that you have to wait a year to actually get your Christmas present, that's a little frustrating, but I was excited nonetheless. And so was my brother for what would be coming in the next year but this promise ended up not working out because in the year that came we would be living in the homeless shelter in nebraska my mom who worked so hard simply could not make enough money to afford to live and we had to make a very tough decision or i guess my mom had to make a very tough decision to move into the homeless shelter we would live there for about a year and so much would happen here that i'm gonna have to make a whole other episode about this But anyway, money would take us from the homeless shelter in Nebraska to our grandpa's house in California, where we lived for another year before returning to Nebraska and then to Colorado, where I moved in with my dad. Moving in with my dad was chapter three. Living with him, things were a bit different. (laughs) We were very comfortable. He was A food equipment salesman, at that time, yogurt machines were very big, very popular. So frozen yogurt machines were selling like hotcakes and he was making a good living actually. When the yogurt sales dried up, as they sometimes do because the yogurt bubble cannot last forever, so did the money, and we stopped having money. Money troubles always came back. It began with food. Our dinners would be a little bit lighter, our school lunches would be too much money for two kids to get food every day. I'd be hungry in class and I would get more pink slips saying please bring money and pay for your lunch next time you come. At this point, I was about 15, 14. I was old enough to get my own job and start saving my own money. And so I was working at a pizza place, a Calvin Klein store. I worked at my best friend's parents' restaurant. I worked at a fish restaurant. I did whatever I could to support myself on my very meager child wages while also attending high school. Basically, by junior year, I was able to pay for gas get essential meals, and pay for my phone bill, which I was just very, very neatly squeezing by on. I was in this mode of trying to save as much money as I could. Every dollar I earned was accounted for, and I kept meticulous track of it. Every week, I took $30 out of my cash savings account and put it into a little envelope, and that was my gas money for that week. And that's what got me to and from school so that I could graduate in the next year. I paid no attention to aesthetics, to preferences, to maybe this is the best. What do I actually want? I only thought about what I needed and that was the bare minimum. It was around this time that I decided that any degree I got in college needed to be in something that would ultimately produce a job that paid me a good amount of money. So using my like Nebraska sensibilities of do things that make sense, get a degree in something that will get you a job, I thought okay well nursing is something that will get me a job. Nursing is a very clear path. You get a nursing degree and then you become a nurse. And nurses, you can very easily find out what nurses make. And that's what I decided to do. So I kind of set my sights on getting to college and getting my degree and getting a job. And that's pretty much what I spent the next chapter of my financial life working towards. Chapter four of my life and money. And yes, money followed me to New York too. New York is this city of enormous wealth. When I got here, I was kind of stunned because where I grew up, people don't have designer bags. People don't have designer clothes. We don't have designer furniture. We don't spend a lot of money getting our haircuts. We don't go out for $20 cocktails. And that's all things that people do here in New York. To the extent that your perception of want and need just gets so incredibly warped. Where people think that I need to wear a certain kind of clothing, I need to get my haircut at a certain place. I need to go out and get certain meals with friends in a way that I've not seen anywhere else that I've lived. And my classmates my freshman year would wear clothing, bags, handbags, shoes that could have paid my rent for multiple months when I was living in Nebraska, could have fed my family for six months when I was living in Nebraska, and they just carried it around on their shoulder. And I didn't feel envious. I didn't even feel ashamed. I felt a little uncomfortable with this fact. And I wondered sort of, do I have any right to be uncomfortable? Should people have to spend money that they have on other people? Should I feel hatred? Or should I feel shame? Or should I just feel envious and wish that I was in their position to be able to do that for myself? I tended to subscribe to the latter of those options and simply wanted to attain the life that they had attained. I didn't subscribe really to what everyone else had around me, but I really was set on having a life that was different than the one I had with my parents. I was really focused and devoted to having a life of comfort. I was not motivated by getting wealth, by accumulating things and goods and designer clothes. I was really thinking I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be able to grocery shop and maybe take some time off and visit family and friends and go on vacations. I don't need to have the most luxury thing. I don't even need to express any aesthetic preference because I just need to to survive. And that was my mindset my freshman year of college. When I got to New York, I had $4,000 in my bank account from all the time I spent working at the fish restaurant and the pizza place, and also a payment I received from the Social Security Administration when my dad died because I was still in high school. $4,000, and that's all I had. And that sounds like quite a bit of money for an 18-year-old, and perhaps it was, but when I moved here, I had no support system from back home that was sending me money. I felt like nothing was guaranteed to me. Everyday, I spent was a dollar out. And when you get to college, no one told me this, when you get to college, you have to spend a lot of money just to get set up, just to put sheets on the mattress the school gives you, just to have a blanket to sleep under and a pillow to put your head on, just to have a fan in the dorm room that doesn't have air conditioning. I remember I went to the Kmart on Astor Place in New York, which is now closed, And I was thinking, what is the bare minimum that I need to put together my dorm room? And I was thinking, I need a fitted sheet. I need a blanket. I probably need a towel. I need a pillow. I need a pillowcase. And like, that's pretty much it. So I found the cheapest sheet, the cheapest blanket, which is one of those Christmas blankets that's like a plush, soft, fuzzy blanket, and the cheapest pillow and the cheapest pillowcase. Just that was it. I did not care what color, just the cheapest. I did not care the linen count, whatever, just the cheapest. And my idea of need was very, very minimal. The truth is, at this point, I was still in survival mode. I was thinking, all I have to my name is $4,000, and I have four years of college until I will start making money. And I always felt on the verge of collapse. Like, what happens if I run out of money? What happens if I get a sudden expense that I was not expecting, and it's $2,000, $1,000? Like, it was not a very rational feeling. There probably was not going to be a $2,000 expense coming up. But what if there was? And also, what am I going to do in the summer Usually you have to pay money to live in housing throughout the summer. Where is that going to come from? I was always thinking like six months ahead and how I was going to make it through whatever financial needs I was going to have. This sort of stinginess, this behavior started popping up in other relationships, like with friends and romantic partners who were concerned that I was a little selfish and stingy and was not always willing to be very generous. I was not, (laughs) I was not known for being very generous because I had so little and I felt like I needed to clasp onto every little piece that I could. I just was loaded with so much fear that this was all I had and whatever is left could be it. So my definition of need was very, very limited in scope. I remember my sophomore year of college, I went with my adopted mom to Bed Bath & Beyond because I was going to be moving into a dorm with a kitchen. And in the long run, this was going to save me a lot of money because I wouldn't have to ever eat out and I wouldn't have to use the meal plan at my university. And she went with me to Bed Bath & Beyond and I was thinking, I just need like a fork, a plate, a bowl, and a cup. And that's pretty much all anyone needs to run a kitchen. You know, maybe a, maybe a frying pan, but just one of them. You don't need a spatula because you can turn things with a fork. You don't need a knife. You can cut things with a fork. Why would I spend money on something like that when I could save that amount of money for a rainy day? Because there was going to be a rainy day. My adopted mom goes with me and she starts throwing things in the cart. She throws in a spatula. She throws in a toaster, a blender, a, a knife set, a plate set, a dish set. And I was like, girl, I do not need all of this. And do you know how expensive this is about to be? Oh my god. I was like breaking into a little bit of a sweat and we get up to the counter and they start scanning things and I can't remember if she ended up paying for everything or if I split it with her, which is very generous and I'm very grateful. But it just put into perspective for me that I was like thinking of all of these items as excess and she was like, no, this is the bare minimum. The bare minimum is not a fork and a plate. The bare minimum is the toaster and the knife and the spatula and the frying pan. It's all of these things. And I had just been so used to living with so little that having these other things felt like having so much. So it put me in this kind of interesting situation, this weird feeling. I kind of had this behavior for a few years, and then I would graduate college a year ago and become a nurse. And in the span of a few weeks, my life changed drastically. What would have taken me months to earn while in college would take me one paycheck, two weeks, six work days, I would earn what I had not earned for months as a college student. I was going to be able to pay my rent, eat out, go on trips, accumulate wealth and savings, whatever I wanted. And I went from, as a child, in the bottom 20% of the population income to the top 20% in really what was a few weeks from the time it took me to graduate to the time it took me to be offered a big boy nursing job. The truth is I had wanted this my whole life. I had spent my whole life working towards this. It's the reason I went into nursing in part. It's the reason I stayed in New York. It's what I had worked and wanted and saved so hard to be able to have. And here I was achieving it and I feel very comfortable. I Over the last year I've lived on a nurse's salary and I have far more than I ever have in my life. I have access to more resources that I did not have access to growing up. I have everything I need and even a little bit more so it's weird to me that I feel kind of ashamed of this or kind of uncomfortable with having a lot it's this sense that I owe something to someone or have a debt that I need to pay but I don't know why and I don't know to whom if it's something to do with knowing what it's like to have a little and now being someone who has a lot something about that makes me feel uncomfortable Knowing that there are people out there that I grew up with who are still suffering or do continue to suffer and I'm deciding if I want to have a designer handbag or something like that. It feels like this is supposed to be the mountaintop because I've made it. But why does it feel so crummy? Because I felt the triumph and the pride of having seen the mountaintop, of having gotten where I wanted to go. And for some time, I felt like this story was kind of inspiring about at one point having not a lot, being low-income, and then a talented, young, intelligent student getting picked up to go to a university, and now he's a nurse in a big city after going to school for it. And now he has a lot. I used to think that that was really inspiring. But now I feel like students should not have to be well-spoken enough or be raised poor enough to be lucky enough to go to a school and eventually make a lot of money someday. I feel like there's a structural issue and that my participation in this process contributes to and reinforces that issue without actually fixing anything for anyone other than myself. And I do believe that, yes, now I'm a nurse and I'm able to contribute to society. I'm able to use my skills that were paid for for me to attain to the betterment of society. I don't want to use that nihilist perspective of like, well, if you could only do it for one, you shouldn't have done it at all because it should have been for everyone. Because my life has been fundamentally changed. And what I'm able to do now in society for people, that has been changed. And that's an investment. But I used to think that this story was about money, but now I'm realizing that it is actually about value. And I'm questioning my value as an individual, and I'm wondering if having money or going on trips or eating at nice restaurants is what really brings me in my life value. Does having more now mean that I'm worth more? And is what I earn at work tied to my value in society? The answer is no, it doesn't. (laughs) And it isn't. So exclusively for my podcast listeners, I'm going to announce that I'm going part-time at work starting next month. Part-time is going to be working two days a week. I'll still have full benefits. I'll still have health insurance and things like that. Thank God I'm very grateful to be able to do this, but I'll just be making less money. And I'll be spending my time hopefully working on this podcast, exploring what makes me really passionate, working on a book, going viral on TikTok, figuring out who I am when I'm not Simply trying to survive. This will be an adjustment, and I'm a little nervous about living with less. But what happened to me when I started making more money was simply that my lifestyle just grew tremendously to match the income that I had started earning. And I wasn't all that happy. I actually found my job was very stressful, and working as much as I did was not making me feel like I was thriving. And even though I made far less in college, I was able to do more of what I loved, and I was far happier. So my hypothesis hypothesis is that in a year I will be far happier working part-time and having spent all of my free time doing things that I love than I will be if I had stayed full-time but made the extra money and we will just have to wait and see. I am pretty excited about this. Um, my boyfriend is from Argentina and we had a lot of interesting discussions where I was sort of discovering in him that he had this view of America that I was just numb to. I had kind of just grown up in it and thought it was the only way to be and he said people here are very materialistic and I thought okay well that's a cliche thing but he's like no people are very materialistic. The whole purpose of people going to work is accumulation, is to get more. Everyone wants the newest thing everyone wants another pair of this everyone wants an expense that we're all just in the rat race to save more and get more and attain more and the question is why maybe you have noble goals maybe you want to provide a good life for your kids whatever it is and he says back home in argentina life is about more than having it's about being and i thought that was really interesting and it's kind of stuck with me all this time later where i'm thinking i don't need another designer handbag. I don't have one to begin with. I don't need my first designer handbag. I don't need a really big house. I don't need designer clothes. I don't need the newest iPhone. I have a computer that works. I'm able to take care of myself and eat and go on trips and I'm able to do things that I love. So why do I need much more than that? As long as I'm being responsible and saving for retirement and all of that, why is it necessary to just have an expensive lifestyle? Well, it's not. And reconciling all of this has been the most recent chapter of my financial life. What comes next will be chapter six. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm interested to hear people's perspectives on this. Please send me a DM on Instagram about your thoughts. I'd love to hear it. See you next time.